0: talk with me. This is Marcia Epstein at the dining room table in Lawrence, Kansas, Um, sitting here between downtown Lawrence and the University of Kansas in one of my favorite parts of this city because it's where the old stuff is, which to me is a lot of the good stuff. And that's when I think about buildings. I'm not saying that we don't want change of certain kinds. And I certainly like to expose myself to new art and things like that but I'm a huge fan of historic buildings and the culture that's represented, you know, walking through my home and realizing that since the 1880s, people have looked through these windows and walked through these stairs. And that, you know, I picked up a few stories over the years from people who had connections to the house at different times. We were able to read about the couple that had the house built. He was one of the first surgeons in Kansas. Not so exciting, maybe, but it's just kind of cool because we've got pictures of them and kind of this imagination of, okay, this room was his library and his practice was above the business at 8th and Massachusetts that we call Round Corner because the building has a round corner and we have hitching posts in front of our house by the street. And he went house to house in terms of serving his patients sometimes in their homes with a horse and buggy. And those hitching posts are for real what he would have harnessed his or hooked up his horses to. It's like, it's cool. I love that stuff. And I love knowing that this has always been a diverse neighborhood. Um, There are some bigger houses and some smaller houses. There are people who are renters now. And that's kind of the way it always was. Anyway, I think it's great to pay attention to stories. Stories that are stories from people who come before us and imagining the future and all kinds of things, because I really believe that we connect with people and we build empathy and connection and belonging by valuing people's stories, you know, hearing them, listening, enjoying them, and getting to know people. And so to me, that's a big part of what this show's about. You know, I have the good fortune of being part of what's this network. It, it is sort of a spider web. It is a little sticky because you don't want to get out of it once you get into it, you know? And, and getting to know people who are all over this country and a bit of Canada. Um, um, and and a shout out to uh, Wolfgang Karstens with Epic Rights Press. He just sent me this amazing assortment of books and more. Um, and and just those, those wonderful writers, poets and more who are part of performances and presses and writing and painting and dancing and all kinds of stuff all over. And I think in these times, in these next four years, we really need the arts to bring us together, to help us learn things that we don't know, to help us break down barriers, to help us build each other up and be able to say things that need to be said and do things that need to be done. Anyway, I wanna thank you listeners for listening and I wanna thank my guest today um, because it's wonderful to hear about his journey. We're gonna both hear it together. I have little glimpses from the past few years, but we're gonna learn more about today's guest, uh, Matt Specia. Hey, Matt.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm blessed to be here. (laughs) I'm extremely excited yeah. to get into this. It's uh, been a minute since we've recorded, so yeah. I've got a lot to update you about and yeah. a lot of fantastic, unbelievable things that people's support have allowed me to do.
0: Yeah, well, you have been going strong with your poetry, and I was trying to think about when the first time was that I would have heard you, and and I don't remember which was the first, um, and I know that that you've been one of those wonderful people who's been part of Word Save Lives. And and all kinds of things. And I and I kind of watch through social media. It's like he just got recognized here. He's performing here. He's got this thing going on. And all these things are that are really collaborative, which is something I so admire. So, so tell me, listeners, a little bit about you
1: um well with your collaborative efforts i'm a big team effort person <laughs> i don't believe that any one person can accomplish everything by themselves like the me myself and i attitude is something i'm really against because you didn't do it by yourself you have you know supporters because if you have supporters technicians people that you know help you get to where you are if you did this by yourself you'd be in a dark room yelling alone so i'm a big team effort person and because of the just extraordinary team effort that you know people have allowed me to participate in i was named the national slam artist of the year by the mpas This is
0: huge that is so cool (laughs) Um,
1: it was an incredible experience i got to go up to chicago uh, um you know they flew me in they put me up in the hotel room um got to hang out with the ceo of an international company um, and then meet these just fantastic poets from all over the country it was it was really unique. I mean, there was, you know, from literally everywhere, there was New Mexico poets. There were, you know, a bunch of Southern poets, Chicago, New York, LA, like everybody was there. And it was, it was really nice to, you know, you hear these names and everything, and then you're, you know, doing an award show with them. Uh huh. And it was, it was a very, uh, just intense experience. I didn't sleep for like three days just
0: talking <laughs> with all these different people. Yeah. I don't want to waste time sleeping, man. That's, yeah. How did you get there? I mean how how did you how did it come about that you were recognized there? I um, don't know how that that
1: works. Okay, so um the National Poetry Awards has a committee. There's a nomination process which the committee decides who the nominees are and that's their you know proliferation and success you know whatever field that may be with slam artistry it was like a minimum number of slam wins and I was uh, blessed enough to receive support to win seven of them last year. So they definitely looked at me um, and then from the nominee process for artists from wherever they want to be from are selected in each category. And from that, it's put towards a popular vote. So you have to get, you know, your supporters to come in and vote on the page and, you know, go through all the ballots and be like, this is who I want to win this. This is who I want to win this. Uh So it's, again, a big team effort thing once you get nominated. But Uh um, the committee, you know, thought to select me. So
0: very cool and and seeing pictures my sense is it's a very diverse group of poets that have been recognized and that you're connected with which again is something that i really admire because it seems like now is a time of so much divisiveness and to see people working together is is very very exciting
1: Right. And it's, it's a responsibility as an artist. You have to, you know, it's great to be what um, Black Eyes, the CEO of POET says, a open mic revolutionary. Like that's awesome, but you're around like-minded people. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you know, you have to go to these rallies, go to school talks, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like it, it has to be more than just on stage. Uh-huh. Like, you have to be an activist artist. You uh-huh. can't just be an artist anymore.
0: Uh-huh. That's good. I think that's really good. I mean, that's part of what I'm hearing from, artist friends all over. You know, it started with some little things. Rob Plath is a poet in Long Island, New York, sent me pictures from the New York City subways where poets were encouraging people to write notes, love notes, and leave those around the subways to sort of counter a lot of the hatred that people were experiencing. On the other coast, Arena Zabriskie in the San Francisco area is part of this thing called the Arts Resistance, and they did these big rallies, and they have this big puppet head of trump and putin and they do these performance art pieces Mm -hmm. with people wearing these these huge huge paper mache kinds of masks and it's like it's important statements it gets people thinking about things and sometimes more subtly you know i think that's that's one of the things is i say sometimes sometimes art sneaks up on people and opens their minds and hearts you know I wasn't expecting that, and now I'm thinking about it. You know, yesterday I was talking to a poet in Buffalo, New York, um, Nathaniel Williams dolte and and some of his poetry relates to. Uh, he shared a poem that that related to his connection to a man who lives on the streets and is stuck in drug abuse and other things, and and. It was a very human and caring poem about this person as a person, you know, and and not just, you know, the invisibility that I don't want to interact, you know. But there are all these things as so, so maybe somebody's not expecting to be kind of challenged to treat people better. And then they hear this poem and it's like, Hmm, maybe I can do that too. Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> They'll always be better, like no matter how good or bad it is, you have to always be working to improve your situation. Uh-huh. And like people talk to me, we had this big conversation a group of my friends and I about whether or not the American dream was dead. It was a uh, topic proposed by one of our news sources and they went into this huge debate and so did we about it. And I said, it's never been dead. It's been a concept. It's not something that can die. It's purely relies within the individual because uh-huh. like the moment you say I'm going to do better, you, then you're working towards that. Uh-huh. That's the, you know, American dream quintessentially uh-huh. is to take whatever situation you're in and improve it. -huh so I think that's not only that kind of drive needs to be instilled back into us uh-huh. but just the the ability to work with each other anymore like we see this a lot especially at the you know federal level yeah that compromise is almost a dirty word anymore yeah yeah it's,
0: it's
1: like that's that can't be how it is we have
0: yeah to- yeah we hope that it becomes people willing to work together in the government position for all people as opposed to for somebody's bank account. Exactly. Yes, 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 yes. So how did you how did you even start getting this path towards where you're headed now with your poetry?
1: Um, So the radio show that I'm now, you know, hosting on a weekly basis, um, I found out about it. Somebody had shared their live stream and I was like, oh, you know, poetic radio channel. So I called in, uh, did a piece. The CEO happened to be, you know, hosting that night and had a show in Wichita and he was like, Hey, I want to, you know, see you on stage. He got hold of me after the show and everything. It's like, Hey, I want to see you on stage. So I'm going to put you on at the show. You know, we're going to have you open up for our group and everything. Wow. And uh, did my 15 minutes on stage. And he was like, that was, you know, superb, like your stage show and everything like that. It really went well with what you were trying to portray. So he brought me up to Chicago and, you know, I did a couple of events up there and then the national poetry awards, <laughs> saw me. And from there, it's just, it's really starting to pick up a lot of speed. Like uh-huh. I'm setting up quite a few shows in the summer, like I'm going to Nashville, I'm going down to Florida, back to Chicago, possibly Green Bay, working on Houston and Albuquerque. And of course, you know, all the Kansas shows. Uh-huh. So it's, it's really starting to take off.
0: That's wonderful. But, but how did you like, what, where's your poetry coming from? Like in terms of what got you started writing and then later performing?
1: Um, What got me started writing was my love of music. Like, Uh I'm definitely an audiophile. So, like, any form of music I look at, it's like, this is an expression of soul. Like, this table we're sitting at, you can tell me what it looks like. You can tell me what it, like, texturally feels like. You can't do that with words. Uh So, that makes words spiritual. It's Uh something you can only experience and interpret. There's not a concrete definition of it. Like, this table is brown. You can't tell me what a word looks like
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, outside of just the letter constructs. So that to me was a connection to be spiritual because I'm not really like a typical religious person, but I believe in spiritualities. Mm-hmm. Like I believe that, you know, there is a higher creator. There is a purpose for this. Mm-hmm. So I view words as an expression of spirituality. And I wanted to, you know, it's, I saw all these tribulations, like like from the political climate to personal climates, um, you know, socioeconomic climates and everything. And I said, there's got to be a way to address that. And so that's what really got me started writing and what got me performing it was, okay, if this is helping me to, you know, rationalize this to, you know, make some kind of logical conclusion about this, maybe if I formatted it a little bit more like a performance, then it could help other people to, you know, see this a different way or think about it just a slightly different way or something like that. And that's what really inspired me to get, you know, on stage and back on stage was people who came up to me after I would perform and be like, you know, that really made me think, you know, hey, I want to learn more about this. And we would have, you know, conversations about a topic that I did. Uh And these people would be legitimately interested. And it's like this right here is why I need to be doing this because it's making people think.
0: Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's that's really cool. And, you know, as you say that, one of the poets I'm thinking about is, Um, in Kansas City, Samantha Slipsky. Mm -hmm. And when we were talking about her work, one of the things she said is is sort of for her, a turning point was being at a show, and it happened to be Andrea Gibson. And she was personally so affected and moved by some of the things Andrea said. And the light bulb was, I want to be that for other people. I want to be at the mic and share and have people, you know, have that same reaction of, you know, this this person gets me and is saying stuff that that is important to me. You know, and I think that's that's so wonderful that that idea that it's it's about community, building community, connecting. You know, for some reason, in in my following politics very vaguely until the past year, um, I remember a, a statement from David Axelrod about Barack Obama and and the statement was some people want to become leaders for what they can be and some want to become leaders for what they can do for others you know mm-hmm. and that's who barack obama is it's not an ego thing and that's what i see in terms of the poets whose work i'm really drawn to is it's about this this gift this challenge this this You know, for people, not just I want you to think I'm this amazing person. It's about, you know, what we can do together when we're listening and and learning and growing and doing good stuff.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I I like that a lot, actually. It's about what we can be, not what it's about, what we can do, not what we can be. Yeah. And I see that sometimes with, and I'm not going to say names, of course, but I see that with some poets. You know, they're more about, let me get this big crowd out here so, you know, I can make this money. It's like, yeah, that's a good offshoot of it. Uh That's, that can't be the point. The point Uh has to be the poetry. Uh huh. And it's like, you don't, don't, I'm not hating on anybody who makes money at it because, you know, (laughs) That's that's something that's pretty awesome about uh-huh. it. But, you know, it, it has to be about who are you impacting? How long are you impacting? Them. Uh-huh. What because of your words? It, like what because of your words, what changes occurred because of that?
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. So I definitely completely agree with that.
0: That's very, very cool. I, I would like you to if you're ready to have you share something of yours so that in addition to us talking about it, people get a sense of, you know, who you are through your poetry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this piece is entitled Free. It's off of my second studio album. Big shout out to Tri Six and uh, Kang Lamont out in Kansas City for making this production happen. And uh, to Ryan Wilkins for producing the art for this one. Um, and this is off of Dual Psychosis. So Free. Now, that's a thought, or is it the spirit imbued into the words of dead men, meaning derived of a physical state, or is it the sum total of human choices? We are allegedly free. It only took hundreds of unsung stories, 700,000 dying and a million marching for our unalienable rights to apply universally in theory like the choice to choose, considering three sources of whitewashed media drawing black lines over classified information, insert distraction, and commit the next genocide, or the right to religion. Unless it's not mainstream, or the government is fighting a resource war in your region, then that thought process must manifest false flag attacks merely to justify a budget increase. Speaking of which... Do we really think that any of our bare arms can swing something heavy enough to knock down the military or the police? The forces are so interchangeable, just look at the uniforms. So are we truly ever able to be free? When one in three will serve time in a penitentiary merely for having beautiful ancestry while Rothschild robbery isn't even known. Illegal nature will grow in the earth and the hearts of humans. One is a healing plant. The other is a capital that never cared as long as the corporations take care of the human chattel. See, we have become like cattle. You got a social security number, a serial code, a birth certificate, a date of production. But instead of steak, they take their pound of flesh through taxes that fund conflicts that limit populations for new dimensions to draw on the maps. Notice how their sons stay home. And there we manifest literal class warfare like they go to class, we go to war. Now how in the hell is that fair? So free must be exclusive to a different plane than the physical. Well, that makes it mental. And since each mind is susceptible to numerous variables, both real and existential, that makes free relative to the individual. So one must possess knowledge of themselves. Is this why conformity is becoming a trend is it easier to understand each other if every other person is no different from another? But humanity is so much more than like buttons and Pandora preferences. This is where we will be free to ask how long will free will be free. Will we be free to act accordingly with our own free will? Now this fork in the road, it can feed bread to the powerful. But we, those ordinary people, will we grow the wheat. So can we socially network together to spread this drama before the tragedy plays out? See, we have a chance to change this, but it'll take an unplugging from the matrix into the spacious mindscape and filling it with knowledge on the actual educational disciplines of truth, justice, and love. So what does free mean if we aren't all in possession of its mean, meaning, meaning physically as well? But luckily, by mastering the objectives and abstract concepts and grasping them firmly enough to apply it, this culture could shed that prevailing mindset and end our duality, joining minds with bodies. See, so we can move mountains by being free. And that's that piece.
0: That's beautiful. And, and for me, I always think of myself as kind of Like, I want to be able to not only hear it, but to see it on the page. Are you doing Um, that too?
1: Yes, Um, I actually have a book coming out. Um, (laughs) There's going to be a coincided release in May. The book is titled Dual Psychosis, A Further Explanation of Introspections. And not only will you find that piece and the entirety of the album in it, but you'll also find seven book-exclusive pieces. And that's being produced by uh, Spartan Press. So shout out All to right. Jason Ryberg for yeah. making that happen. And uh, right. that release is going to be sometime in May. We're narrowing down the date on that. But
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Because I love hearing, and I love this. There's a visceral experience. There's an emotional experience. There's so much. But it's like I want to go back to it. And that's where it's like I, I love having it on the page, too. Yeah. Definitely. Very cool. Very cool. Um, since you mentioned that book's coming out, thanks to Spartan Press and Jason, are you going to be at the Kansas City Poetry Throwdown in April?
1: Um, I'm trying to get in with Jameson about that. Uh-huh. Um, again, like I said, I'm planning you know, a big tour, so I don't yeah. know, you know where dates specifically right. are going to lie on that, but yeah. I would absolutely love to yeah. be a
0: part of that. Yeah, and so if it's not this time, it'll be another time, and you've got lots of performances coming up, which is yes. really, really cool. And a huge shout out to Jason, who's Spartan Press and pop poetry and things that are going on at Prospero's Bookstore, and some of those also overflow to the Uptown Arts Bar and Jeanette Powers and lots of amazing stuff going on in Kansas City. You mentioned Jameson. Jameson and Jason are spearheading this Kansas City Poetry Throwdown um, folks, you can find basic information on Facebook, Kansas City Poetry Throwdown. Um, this year it's April 21st through 23rd, 2017. And there are poets coming in from all over to, to connect, actually in addition to perform, you know. You, people who like you're talking about going to Chicago and you meet people whose names you've you've read their work, you've heard their work, you know and And you guys you people get to start to talk in person, and that's a whole other level. and that's part of the throwdown is bringing people from all over together. very cool
1: I definitely. Um, and you were mentioning the, the stuff that goes <laughs> yeah. down you know, the stuff that goes down in Kansas City and like I look at Kansas City, Lawrence, you know, Wichita, and Salina, they have these. You know, yeah, Topeka's got, <laughs> Topeka's got speakeasy, um, but that's something I'm trying to accomplish. There is because yeah. you see these a ton of different events, you know, in these other cities, and in Topeka we have one f- spectacular event, but there's still only one that was uh, part of the inspiration to starting another yeah. open mic series, the uh, Faces by Mayfield Poetry Series that I host every second Sunday at 802 North Kansas Avenue in Topeka, Kansas, up in the Noto Art District.
0: So what is that location? I hear the address, but is it a storefront people would recognize?
1: Yeah, um, there's a big sign. It's got a uh, easel with paint on it. Um, the Faces by Mayfield series. It's, you know, this really nice, it uh, re- has a really nice restaurant area. There's a really nice bar area and they have this just beautiful stage area with all these paintings by the proprietor. And it's um, it's really focused on jazz kind of um inspirations like there's pictures of saxophones there's bands everywhere like it's just this really like classic kind of atmosphere to uh-huh. it and it's I mean it's a beautiful venue.
0: Wonderful and you've had your first show there right?
1: Yes we had our uh, first show on the 8th and I mean that went that went really well we had you know 6 or 7 people come out to read and there was, you know 20-ish people in the audience.
0: That's great.
1: So I mean it was great.
0: Uh huh that's very cool. So that's one of the many things that you're involved with. And so let's, let's hear some more about that. You've, you've got this poetry series you've started, you know, and, and tell us more about POET. All right.
1: So um POET was established in 1990 by a couple of the uh, Chicago hip hop people, specifically Black Ice, uh, Big Mike, Dub C's, uh, Dutch the Dawn, um, people like that. And their whole goal was to be artist activists. Um, they saw that you can change the world one voice, one mind, one rhyme at a time, and to apply what you can do on stage towards community activism. And um, they host a, a radio show you know, every night of the week on POET. You can find that. It uh, physically broadcasts out of Chicago, but for those of you outside of the Chicagoland area, you can listen to it live on TalkShoe.com. There's also the archives for that. Um, All you got to do is do shoe and search POET. We keep our archives on that site so you can find, you know, all 1950-some episodes. uh, (laughs) In your spare time. Right, in your spare time. Just go listen to, you know, a couple years' worth
0: of broadcasts. Uh,
1: But we're on, you know, I'm on every Monday, every other Tuesday. The Monday show is Voices Behind the Pens. Which is a nationally syndicated open mic. So all you have to do is call in. Um, you get to share a piece of poetry. Um, no FCC rules because we're an independent broadcast, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and we'll give you feedback on it. We, if we know artists in the area, we'll connect you with some of them. Like uh, when I see people from you know the Kansas or Missouri area, they call in. I always like to be like, okay, you're from here, so here's some artists you can talk to. Yeah. About, you know, doing more stuff within your area and stuff like that. And then the Tuesday show is Hot Topic Tuesdays, where we take, you know, a couple of trending topics. Obviously, during the election, we were very much so focused on politics, but we've been focused a lot on self-betterment. We just did a health section. We did a dealing with stress section. And uh, so that's really what Hot Topics has been focusing on lately. And then Sundays, I just got on this. This actually is out of Miami, the Underground Power Hour, which plays only underground music. There's no industry music being played. What I mean by industry is something you may hear on the radio or something like that. You're not going to hear that type of music here. It's you know underground poetry. It's underground hip-hop, underground rock music. And um, that's from Dub C's Entertainment, Black Label Entertainment, um, Raw Records Entertainment, and then uh, Build Entrepreneurs are the sponsors to that.
0: That's quite impressive. And in your spare time, you're a student at Washburn. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm also pursuing my business degree at a Washburn. I'm entering my second semester of junior year, so I got about another year before I get my business degree. Uh-huh. And then I fully plan on pursuing my degree further and turning it into a corporate litigation degree.
0: Wow. So
1: I view, you know, business as one of the main proprietors of in- of inequalities, because you know, if money talks, then the poor remain silent. So the only way to change that is to change the rules of engagement. So uh, corporate litigation.
0: Wow. Not the, not the kind of corporate litigation that a lot of people might think about, you know, cause I, cause as you say that, you know, why you want to go there. You know, I think about people I know who have law degrees and who are working on the kind of social justice side, you know, and when the word corporate comes up, that's not what I think about. But, Obviously, that's the kind of corporate litigation that you would be involved with as opposed to how people can skirt around ethics and laws to get more money in their pockets. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. when i say corporate litigation people are like oh but you're you know so active and yeah you're like, yeah you speak on this stuff it's like yeah but what's the, where are these problems at what do what are the businesses that people complain about they complain about these mega corporations so for, yeah. you know every lawyer out there that's trying to you know help these businesses get around this kind of stuff there's got to be somebody that's standing there and be like um no <laughs> and i feel like that's where my place is very
0: interesting so you'll be attorney by day, poet by night.
1: <laughs> right. I like that. I need a comic book selection. I need to get yeah. a little marvel about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm envisioning is, you know, step into your phone booth and, and not that they're phone booths. <laughs> right. like, where, where are we finding
1: this phone booth? At?
0: <laughs> Doctor Who imagery, I don't know.
1: <laughs> that's great that's thing exciting. to pull. From.
0: It's really exciting. And you're a, a person with focus. Big focus. That's that's quite impressive. And and I know people must be shocked when they realize you're a young adult. And and man, you are going full steam for the betterment of other people.
1: Yeah, that's um, wonderful. yeah, people are really surprised when they learn that I'm only 21. Uh huh. And it's they're somehow shocked by this. It's like I understand my generation isn't exactly the most you know prolific out there. And occasionally, the work ethic of my generation is abhorrent. <laughs> But we're not all that way. Some of us are like, you know, what? I got to make this world better, and you know, nobody's just gonna yeah. let that happen. Somebody's got to go make it
0: happen. Yeah. So yeah, that's very exciting. It's funny how you, it's the, the work ethic thing. I'm, I remember talking to a person in charge of a within uh, HR and a business here, and we're talking about how their their company actually has better pay and benefits in a lot of places. So it's Lawrence isn't known for that being. Uh, a a good place a work environment that's good because there's sort of this lots of people, we don't have to pay people well you know, this seems to be the mentality and so I was saying you must, you know, that must be really great because you guys have better you know, salary and benefits and treatment of your employees in some places I'm guessing that, you know, you don't have as much turnover and she looked at me and she said, well, unfortunately that's not the case, I said, well, what's the problem and she said, we have an attendance policy (laughs) You have to come to work? That drips some people up.
1: <laughs> that has never made sense. And those same people that'll call in and just not show up will be the same people at the end of the month that will be like, man, let me hold 20 bucks. It's like, man, you should have been holding on to that job you had that would you know, pay you to be there. But they just want to sit at home, be on social media, play video games. It's like, nah, bro, you're an adult. Go out and make your money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so where did all that come from for you do you have the sense of how you how you got in the direction of you know that that kind of passion and compassion and work ethic that that is you know that's stuff that that's who you are but you know that's not who everybody
1: is. um i really looked at my parents um specifically my mother um that instilled that work ethic in me uh, we didn't come from you know bitterly poor environments, but we weren't exactly wealthy either. And I saw both my parents every day of the week, you know, go out and go to work go out and you know come back do this stuff around the farm and everything like they would go work these eight hour days and then come back and work for another five hours on the farm you know be it growing stuff on you know the acre and a half garden that we had built up or you know helping with the cattle you know the rabbits all this stuff like chickens all this good stuff that you know required more work after that it was like this is how you have this is the kind of attitude you have to attack every day with Like, nobody's going to go out there and, you know, weed your garden for you. They're not going to feed the animals for you. They're not going to go clock in and do your job for you. So, you know, all of that stuff that goes into just living one day, that was an example of work ethic to me. And, you know, growing up, I was always helping with that kind of thing. And uh, we didn't have, you know, a gas-heated house. We had a wood-heated house. And if you've ever been to somebody's house who is wood-heated, it requires, you know, a lot of work to process physical work,
0: yeah. So, you know, that was part of my (laughs)
1: daily life. And it was just, you know, doing chores, doing all of this stuff. And, you know, more than, you know, the typical, like, hey, clean your room, you know, sweep the floor type, type of thing. And so I saw that work ethic as something that life demanded. Mm-hmm. So when I started moving mm-hmm. into my own professional aspects, you uh-huh. know, be it with my university education or poetry or the radio shows that I'm a part of and everything like that. It's like I applied that same drive to it. It's like this is what, you know, an avenue that you want to succeed in requires. Uh-huh. So that's really where I saw that work ethic come from was definitely my parents.
0: That's awesome. It's amazing. And, you know, again, just thinking about all the things that you've already accomplished and, you know, you're just beginning in some ways. I mean, new opportunities, new challenges, and you just tack on them head on. We need to take a break. I can't believe it, but we have, like, gone through over half a show. Um, So we're going to hear from a couple of local Lawrence, Kansas businesses that sponsor this LawrenceHits.com. And I get to say thank you to Daniel Smith, who does all the technical magic, including getting shows onto Google app. Google Play, and iTunes, so more people can hear them and and get inspired. Um, Thank you for all the things you do, and we will be back in just a minute with more Talk With Me, and today my guest is Topeka-based poet. I don't know where you're going to end up, but right now you're based in Topeka, Matt Spezia. So listeners, welcome back. This is Marcia Epstein with my guest, Matt Spezia, and Matt, because we only snuck in one poem so far, and... I want to make sure people get to hear more. How about a poem?
1: Um, Sure. So the last one was more of my socially active poem. So I also like to be, you know, a very much so active lyricist on the pieces. Um, So this is one of my more hip hop inspired pieces. So coursing through this Instrument is a staggering voltage, and placing it in my hands means that you have parted on to me a great power. And since I view artistry as responsibility, I guess that means I better be your superhero. So what would I do if you handed me a microphone? Well, my initial instinct would be to order the first initials of my namesake, MC. And yes, the S became the stage name. I would do this by taking one ride like Amtrix with the syntax impacts are calculated to impress. I don't digress. I just digest. I make words move words, four words. See, it'll only take four words to move this four forward. Spesia, unchained, is dangerous. And as the persona began to take over, I could only in a slam setting. See, I'm setting new standards in English, and I wish that you could understand. So consider this me explaining what I would do if you handed me a microphone. Then I would honor this stage that so many hollow names have graced, like I trace the fate lines in my palm and I grip the mic. I guess that's why this artistry has been truly life-changing. I'm not following footsteps, but I am walking a parallel path. I'm looking at their learned lessons and adapting to the environment faster than a polar bear. I guess that's why the Arctic is melting and I've never been colder. Then, I would give you a message, like how I've taken a step back to analyze the importance of a seemingly simple stage piece. See, a microphone is an antenna, and it can broadcast directly into the mind. That's why the hypnotic boxes in the corner of the room now need a new name, because TV now means true vision. And that involves a complete spectrum of senses, since this is the body of the piece, I guess this outro is my feet. Both allowing me to leave and stand proudly, knowing that I have willingly given every ounce of oxygen, and I've translated the heartbeat into the pulse of this piece. See, I'm placing the essentials of rhythm within the pieces. So I'm meticulous with every line of scrutinizing every subtle syllable that stressfully brings a piece to me. It's so every piece I write is a piece of me that I can give to thee and you accepted me. So I figure I ought to give it back, and that's why I hurt feelings. And no. I'm not sorry if I offend you. See, I upend values and I make you question a paradigm. See, when I rhyme, it's for far more than wordplay. See, the word play, it isn't in my vocab, but it's grab hold of an important topic and I write in such a way to make the truth entertaining, whether it's universal or personal. The surrounding ensemble seems to have a love for it. So thank you for making my writings reach those who needed to hear them. See, some will get mad, others will get saved, but all will be impacted. In accordance with the Geneva Convention, I feel compelled to warn you of your contraction. See, specious free radicals, they're very complex. It's one part chemistry mixing elements of hip-hop into this poetry, two parts history, past events of the sports mentality combined with honesty. Honestly, whether on a silent stage or with beautiful instrumentals, if you hand me a microphone, I will give you spoken word. And that's that piece.
0: That's amazing. So how, how did that come about? How do you, what's your process of from idea on paper to then becoming this powerful spoken piece?
1: All right. So um, my ideas come from, you know, a wide variety of anything. It can be, you know, simply us walking down the street. It's like, Oh, this is, you know, a really nice day. Let me talk about like how I feel consciously about this or it can be a direct action. Um, you know, that piece was inspired directly from slam and Frederick Sims piece, who is an amazing KC poet called, uh, I came to hear poetry. So I really want, cause he asked him, it's like, so why did you come? And so it's like, I have a responsibility to be on a microphone. So answering that question that he presented in that poem was the inspiration to that. And then it's a free conscious, the first draft of it, because I end up with like eight different versions of a piece. So that first one is just stream of conscious. What do I think of when I'm trying to put this together? and then from that i will refine pieces i will you know cut out this verse and put something you know longer formatted into it and it will eventually become this piece and then you know translating a finished product from the page onto the stage is something that you know some artists can you know do immediately other artists have to take time to do it because it is a difficult process with some pieces so part of it is how you write it part of it is the energy that you want to put into it if you know you have a more relaxed subtle piece uh, Putting that on stage may be more difficult than, you know, that in-your-face, quick-paced kind of poem. So you have to know what you're trying to do with it. Mm -hmm. And you have to know how to direct your energies towards it. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, words are spiritual. And how people interpret them is how you're putting them out there. If I put out, you know, I can say the same thing in a different tone, and people will interpret it differently. Mm -hmm. So putting that on stage is, what do I want to accomplish with this piece? Okay, cool, I have the words here. What do I want these words to accomplish? So that's really, you know, a brief run through of my process. Uh-huh.
0: So, so, and to get a little bit more specific, because I'm really interested in, as you put it from the page to the stage, so you start, as you're writing and, and rewriting the edit process, are you performing it? You know, are you saying them out loud to, is that part of how you decide what ends up As the final on the page.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because, you know, the difference between page and stage poetry is page poetry doesn't have to flow. It can just be read. Like, it's great to have, you know, intrinsic rhythm in your poetry because, you know, meter and rhyme scheme and all that. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can just read it. But if you're putting it on stage, you want it to have, you know, somewhat of a bounce. You want people to be able to get into it. It can't just be you reading a piece, it has to have an entertainment value if you're putting it on stage. So what I do with that is I read a line, it's like, okay, does this line, you know, does it have poise, punch, pitch, and power to it? You know, what can I do with this to make it have that if it doesn't? So that transition is, you know, do I like how this line sounds? Do I like how it feels? Can it roll off of my tongue? Can I say it with confidence? And all of these little attributes that have to go into creating a stage piece versus a page piece And then something, it can't just be, you know, okay, I'm going to read this like this. I'm going to, it's got to be, I'm going to perform it like this, which includes blocking. A lot of stage elements have to go into it. You have to be aware of what kind of crowd you're going to, because, you know, you don't want to go into, you know, you know, let's say a uh, Lawrence College reading and do, you know, a ton of heavy right pieces, political alignment wise, you know, that's not going to work there. So you have to be aware of not only what your crowd wants to hear, but what you want them to hear. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing a piece that challenges people like free, there's a lot of topics in there, especially, you know, the police and military comparison that they are so, you know, synonymous anymore, especially with the uniforms. That line offends people and people, you know, maybe, you know could give you a little bit of pushback to it but because the context of the piece and how the piece is performed it's like okay this is a statement this isn't meant to you know incite anger this is meant to make me think Uh and those kind of lines those challenging lines that can go either way that's where the performance aspect has to come in you have to keep them listening through challenging content
0: Uh uh-huh very cool so do you, are you doing any work like mentoring any, any younger poets?
1: Um, yeah, I'm actually, um, this coming semester is forensic season in the debate and forensics community, which is uh, competitive public speaking and acting. And I'm going to a multitude of schools, actually, to uh, give talks about, you know, performance poetry and stuff. So I'll be going to my alma mater, Lansing. Um, I'm doing a Shawnee Mission School. I want to say North. Don't shoot me on that. Wherever Trey Wood is the coach at. Um, Then a couple of Salina schools have asked me and then a uh, Topeka school that the uh, coach to that actually brought it when I was hosting the War Slam in Topeka. Actually brought her kids to come see what that was. You know, she asked me, it's like, hey, would you like to come give a talk at this school? It's like, yeah, that's something I could really get into. So I started yeah. contacting schools. It's like, let yes. me get into this because that's something that POET does a lot up in Chicago. They go to these schools and everything. Um, they actually had a rage tour, um, resistance against uh, gang affiliation, and they did this whole thing where they went in and showed, like, this is what you can accomplish through poetry. This is where you can put that anger, that angst, uh-huh. instead of going out because Chicago is, you know, the murder capital of America. Seven hundred and eighty-four oh, sure. murders occurred last last year in Chicago. That's more than a day. Like that's more than two a day. That's absolutely ridiculous. So somebody had to, you know, where do we get this at? Where where does this problem start at? Yeah. It's like it has to start with the youth. So you have to go in there. And you have to talk to them. It's like there are other outlets to this. Yeah. And that's something that I'm really excited about doing down here.
0: Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Cody Keener is teaching, I believe, at Highland Park in the Topeka area.
1: I'll have to get a yeah. hold of him.
0: Cody is another performance poet, sl- hosted some SLAMs, LFK SLAMs, yeah, and it. got Cody super Keener. busy finishing his degree and teaching. And was teaching high school students, which is way cool. Mark Hennessy, who's a poet um, who lives here in Lawrence, is teaching at the Sumner Academy in the Kansas City Kansas. Yes,
1: area. Um, yeah, yeah. Sumner's a... It- Oh my god, great school. Um yeah. very blessed to it. Uh, at Lansing we work a little bit with Sumner because you know those are two of you know the big you know debate and forensics schools there. Uh-huh. So, you know, we were able to go in there and their coach was just extraordinary.
0: That's really cool. So I just definitely I, to I totally it. agree with you about, you know, with youth that my sense of the more tools people get early on, the better they can handle things that you know, in healthy ways and, and get some of that emotion and, and some of those needs out in ways that aren't going to get them in more trouble. Um, you know, and but you need to have some role models, you need to have some mentors, you, have, you need to have some people who show you other ways than maybe what you're seeing around you sometimes. And so I, I love I love hearing about poets going in with youth and going into correction settings, you know, going in where people really need to know how to use their words and have that be an important and powerful tool, you know, because they need that.
1: And that's it. Very cool. Right. Very great cool. thing to get involved in. And yeah. then, uh, I'm actually doing a rally coming up. Um, there's a, you know, 600 person rally going on in Topeka. And I'm going to be able to speak at that and, you know, because you got to get out in the public about it. Mm-hmm. It's like these are, you know, maybe a hundred of them have heard of me before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what, this is a whole new voice that I get to help out here yeah. with. And, you know, they're proposing a, a education reform to candidates legislation. That's what they want. They have, you know, a bill. It's like, you guys need to hear this. You know, we elected you. This is not working. So here's right. our proposition to it. So that's the whole point of the rally. to that. So when's that? Uh, tomorrow, actually. So, the
0: day that this show is broadcasting, you will have been in Topeka. And are you guys in the Capitol? Yeah, we're on the
1: steps of the Capitol.
0: Very cool. So, a rally for education reform. Very cool. On this Wednesday, the 10th. Yeah, it's important for people to use their voices. There's no question about that.
1: Right. And, and, and uh, Ashanti Spears is the one who's organizing.
0: All that. right. Ms. Ashanti I was a guest not too long ago and, and yeah she'll be back. She's also going to D.C. we're talking about things that she was up to yeah for the women's march so that's important and it's and it's that again to me that power of art you know that that's going to be a way that some people are going to learn and pay attention um and when they aren't now and it's that balance Like. God, man, we can't be complacent, but we also have to find ways that we can connect with people who don't expect us to connect with them, you know, when there's that sense of, you know, we don't have anything alike. I don't want to hear what you have to say, but sometimes art is a way that can kind of sneak in.
1: Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point because, you know, you go to open mics, you know, you go to poetry shows, those are like-minded people, those Uh are people who, you know, want to hear ideas and everything. Uh But when you go out to the streets, when you go to these schools, you're going to be connecting with people that, you know, may never have understood that, you know, poetry has, you know, a national presence. Yeah. There's people, you know, gathering 200 people in a building to hear poetry and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Until you get involved in it, you may not know it's there. Yeah. So...
0: And, and that makes me want to, to give a shout out that I've done frequently, but I want to encourage people to consider this. This thing that I'm part of uh, that Dave Lowenstein is, who's a muralist and more, always been a community activist um, here in Lawrence. He is called the field agent for our local field office of the US Department of Arts and Culture, which is a people's movement. And, and one of the, the key goals is creating belonging and doing that by elevating the the prioritizing of culture and arts and considerations of things that are being done in whatever community people are in, you know, across this country and more. And during the time of January 27th through February 5th, USDAC is encouraging people and communities to host story circles and gather stories of belonging and not belonging and connecting and not connecting. There's some some kind of prompts that can be modified. And the overall is that as people hold these story circles and then submit, upload these stories into, um, into the, this portal for all the stories to be shared across the country, the next step is that there is a set of poets who will be creating a poetic state of the union. The whole activity is called the People's state of the union. And so here in Lawrence, one of the, the ways that we're doing that is we have a gathering that's open to anybody. And some of our local members are from Topeka, uh, Michael Bradley and High Stockwell, for example, who are Topeka-based artists. Um, we have Sunday, the 29th of January at the Auditorium, the Public Library, from four to six that will be hosting story circles. And, and so the idea being, you know, so people share these stories and listen and get heard. And then locally, as well as nationally, it's possible to create a local address that's a local people state of the union and to perform that to for example maybe your local legislators as well as you know other places like maybe it's going to be part of april poetry month performances who knows but but the idea being encouraging people to share stories and having those themes come together in some longer pieces. And I, I think that's really exciting. Mark's gonna do, Mark Hennessy is planning to do that with some of his classes at Sumner, you know, to, to bring that to their youth.
1: Right. Um, and somebody I would recommend you connecting him with is uh, Rose Cuthlery um, at PT's for a while. Now it's at the uh, Topeka Public Library. She actually does a, a monthly storytelling event.
0: Well, anybody can do this. And so I'll, I'll get contact information from you. usdac.us Online is the main website for the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture. And again, it's not a government thing. It's a people thing. And that sounds terrible to say that distinction, but it's it's what it is. And I think it's what I meant. Um, And uh, usdac.us and then the backslash P-S-O-T-U for People's State of the Union is where you can download a toolkit that says this is how you do that, you know, and this is the toolkit tells how to run the story circles, how to upload the stories into the national portal so they get to become part of this this national body. The stories are searchable. People can go now and look at the stories from last year and the year before and a few that have been uploaded already from things that are happening in 2017. To me, it's really exciting because it's another way to bring anybody's voice to that table for this this wonderful poetic address that'll be live streamed in march when it's um initially performed and that piece will be for anybody to use wherever um, so so giving people voices giving them power with their words i think that's really really important so cool stuff going on and you mentioned the topeka public library is a place that that might be interested in housing that which is a great thing Topeka Public Library is amazing, you know, the Writers' Workshop and things that that happen there, the Writers' Fairs, just wonderful stuff. And in addition to the fact it's a gorgeous building and art and books and just an amazing experience being in there. Uh,
1: Shout out to Miranda Kirkenau for uh, having the Great Writers' Right Here event. I was Uh blessed to be a part of that. Me and Annette Billings, a fantastic Topeka Public Library blessed enough to share a table together
0: that, so that was I, really cool. Yeah, I adore that and her books. Um, the, the Desk Ants for Daughter, it's funny, I sent that to a good friend um, who's in Washington State, and, and I met her, it's like, did the book ever get to you? Because I haven't heard, and she goes, yes, and here's the thing, it's so special, I have not even let myself open it up until I'm in that space when I can really, really pay attention to it. And I want to do that. And so I will, but that's why you haven't heard me talk about it yet.
1: <laughs> it's a great book in her yeah. first book in that full home. There's yes. just like, there's a wisdom about her pieces that uh-huh. it's like, I attempt to emulate occasionally, but just you have to, have her life experience and yeah. her mind to put the wisdom that she does into her pieces.
0: Yeah, and they're beautiful and they're powerful. And they, we, we, she and I were talking about my favorite piece of her, um, which of hers, piece of her. I love every bit of you, and Annette, it's so, a weird thing. But my favorite poem still is the one that ends with, you know, when, when violence shows up, pretend no one's home. And we were talking about mm-hmm. how that poem was written at a time from certain experiences and how as times have changed the meaning is renewed in in different ways different contexts. you know now when we're at a time when there's so much public hatred you know that that it's an important poem at times when it was more maybe seemed more intimate in terms of relationship kinds of violence you know and 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 just that's that's to me, one of the amazing things about poetry is that the words contain so much meaning, but they also contain meaning that that changes when times change, you know, or when our experiences change. You know, that that we all bring into it our own experiences, our feelings, our thoughts, our values, and we get some different messages as well as some similar ones. And it's 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 different than reading a novel. It is, you know, different use of words. It's beautiful, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, We were actually able to put that piece, on POET radio and oh. our, our host loved it. Um, uh-huh. She did this whole thing after, you know, the praise that we gave her for, it. she made this whole like post about it. It's oh. it really nice. And that's part of our goal with POET, especially one of my goals that, you know, I have this, you know, blessed enough to receive this national spotlight. Uh-huh. So now let me show, you know, the nation that it's like, I'm not the only good one in Kansas. There's all these amazing poets all over the place. Uh-huh. You know, I'm contacting like four or five of them to put them on the show every uh-huh. time. So nice. I've put uh Noah Weaver, Spades Lund. I've had Kangalmon on it. I've had you know Jenny Campanini on it. Um, Annette's been on it. Jan Stice has been on it. Like, I'm trying to put all these you know local poets that have the potential to uh-huh. be you know so much greater, uh-huh. and you know give them that platform. Yeah. That's you know back to the team effort yeah. thing. Like, it can't just be you know. I don't want people to think it's like, oh, Kansas poetry, you know, so Matt Speech's like, no, I want them to think, you know, you know Jen, Jen Harris, Prim yes, Blonde, all these yes, amazing yes. people, you know, and I want them to be, you know, included in that conversation. Yeah. So it's like, y'all supported me to the point of giving me this national spotlight. Now, let me widen the spotlight
0: yeah yeah and so for people who didn't catch it in the first part of the show say a little bit more about poet and the radio shows
1: yeah um so poet is an artist activist organization and what we do is we host radio shows we do community activism events we put together you know shows we network we just you know had the poet awards where i won a radio host award and the spitfire award so you know we recognize poets who are doing big things and we help them connect we publish people um you know, the poet anthologies, those come out, there's, you know, you know, 30 different poets in there. They all have a biography in there. So when you become a member of POET, not only do you have opportunities as far as that, but you have advancement opportunities. Like when Black Eyes, the CEO and founder of that got a hold of me, all I was doing was guest hosting one night a week on the radio. And now, you know, I'm on three nights a week, I'm doing all these national things, I'm going all over the place. So if you want to work hard with it, POET is an organization that you can definitely become a part of and you can advance through hard work. And it, and it can, you know, open so many different doors for you. And it's all about unity and community efforts.
0: So what's the way that people can, like, connect? What's, is there a main yeah, social uh, media presence or something oh. to go, okay, here's, here's how I can find out more, get involved, make sure I listen to these shows, that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, so um, you can always contact me, Matt Spezia, um, at any social media platform. Um, I am your Kansas representative for POET. You can also go on to IamPoet, all one word, org, and you can learn more about the organization. You can get in contact. You know, if you're, it'll give you the state member that you need to be able to contact. Again, I'll come up for Kansas, and, you know, we can put you into contact with artists in your area. We can allow you to network. And, you know, but you got to be community oriented. This isn't an organization for you to join if you want to be a star. That's not the point of this. Mm -hmm. The point is to take your power and to take your responsibility and put it on a national presence.
0: That's wonderful. And it sounds like there are people, like you're saying, there are people all over the country. Yeah, there's Some people the all over are... the
1: world. They're in uh, wow. seven different countries. There's the UK. Uh, we just had a Kenya members. There's Jamaican members, Canadian cool. members. Very cool. Practically every state in the union. So this is a very widespread organization.
0: Yeah. And we're at the end of the hour, but you have a show coming up on the Sunday the 15th. Yes,
1: that. Um, so the next available show that I'm going to be doing that's not broadcast over airwaves that you can catch me in person is January 15th at the 40 plus lounge. That's on East 10th in Wichita, Kansas, sponsored by um, Go Entertainment, First Round Entertainment, Neek, Ulit, and True Poetry. And um, I'll be there at doors open at seven. It's a ten dollar admission. If you get your tickets before the day of the show, though, it's only seven. And um, that event is all about, you know, not only celebrating free speech, but showing what (coughs) community-oriented poets can bring to the stage.
0: Wonderful. Matt Spezia, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's inspiring, people. Check out Matt Spezia. That would be S-P-E-Z-I-A. Find him on social media. Find out more about what he's doing and what P-O-E-T is up to. And uh, make sure you pay attention to that art and get active. Yeah. Thanks. So long.